Retro Hangover, supported via Patreon by listeners like you. We would especially like to thank patrons Lyle McCarns, Ashton Ruby, Randall Quiggle, Tony G, Studstill Smash the Milkman, Katie Quigg, Paul Romalo, Raging Demon JC, Megan Caruso, Mast Keaton, Andrew Laguori, Ozzy Garcia, The Retro Vixen, Adam from The Good, The Bad, The Backlog, Thunderdome Gaming Society, Discimera, Jenny E, Rick Firestone, Parallax Puddles, Soha, Keith Gasper, Dave Jackson, Eric Guess, Kayla Jackson, Nomad from the Retro Wildlands Podcast, Ash Event, Alan Bingham, Storm Beagle, Ryan Player One, and Mike the Ref from Backbreaker Gaming. Your continued engagement and generous donations are deeply appreciated. Open your ears and crack some beers. You are listening to the most recent episode of Retro Hangover. Gamers, welcome to the podcast where we positively promote popful, pretentious preambles, perniciously per proclivity. This is Retro Hangover. I am your co-host, Chris Copeland, with special guest Bill Barber from the Gaming and Collecting Podcast. And as always, your host, Shane, male, popful, dick, Koski, I uh, I appreciated the the James Hetfield there at the end. The Dick Dragon, nah, was very nice. Yes, if, if there's nothing I was intentionally trying to go for a James Hetfield sound. Uh, can, remind me who that is again. Oh my God, you have failed me. The I'm, lead I'm singer and rhythm guitarist of Metallica. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm just fucking with you. Was it was it when I said ga? Yeah. He he always ah. he always has those inflections at the end of it's it's like become a meme. Oh, oh yeah, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's very dramatic in its yeah. kind of, but he can still <laughs> sing. So. Give me fuel, give me fire, give me that was that desire. <laughs> <laughs> fuel, fire, 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 fire. Uh, this is a, this is a great uh, this is fantastic. This is a good start to the episode. It has probably nothing to do with what we're talking about today, but you know I I do want to point out this is probably one of my more um favorite pretentious preambles uh, i like the perni- hmm. pernicious proclivities i feel like that's a fantastic name for something i don't know like an indie rock album i like it it has to be a death metal indie rock album but you have like a tea set on the cover so everyone thinks it's like this really relaxing album oh yeah you just give it to your grand you give it to your grandmother or your mom or something like that for mother's day it's- <laughs> Like, here's the smooth sounds of pernicious proclivities. <laughs> like, ooh. Followed by relentless blast beats. I love it. Yes. But James Hetfield. <laughs> Just James Hetfield. Mixed in. Listen, I love Hetfield Pop Papa Het, as the, as the kids call him, as much as the next person. But I, mm. I, I don't, I, I don't think, I don't think Metallica has it in them to be brutal blast beat deathcore. I, I think they're... They're way past that at this point. I don't think Lars could do it. No, <laughs> he can barely no. play his own stuff. <laughs> no, that that yeah, that's a good point. Mm. They'd be too angry about someone 
downloading the music or something. Yeah. Now I'm old. I say, hell yeah, let's bring back the Napster debate. Everybody remember that one? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's relevant. <laughs> hey, so topical. many people are going to appreciate hey, that one. It made it so Metallica is the easiest band to pirate ever. <laughs> exactly. <True>. Yar. Yar. <laughs> fucking Hatfield. Anyway, welcome to Retro Hangover. Thanks for coming back on the show, Bill. The last time we saw you, we were all alone in the dark. We were. We're not so alone in the dark this time. Oh, God, that's right. That is the last time you were here, man. You know what the funniest part about that is? During that episode, I had just moved into my sister's house. And during this one, I have just recently moved into my own house. So so what we're saying is we need to schedule for you for another episode so you can move into another house. I hope not. I don't. <laughs> I've got a mortgage now. Bill will never be back on the show. He's like, nope, I'm not moving again. Not jinxing this. I won't do it. It's been raining up here for like two months now, like straight. And like it literally rained every day I was moving. That was a blast. <laughs> Ugh, that sucks, man. Nothing like moving 3000 video games in the pouring rain. Ugh. Just hope they don't get like mold and shit. Like oh, you- they, they were in like bags and like Tupperware and shit. I was like, not chance in that at all <laughs> one one drop gets on there and you look at your copy of popful mail and all of a sudden you start seeing like little spots all over it and they're like black and you're like no yeah i don't even want to imagine that no that's what you get ever drives everybody get ever drives way to go it's not like it's been that much better around here we've been i i, oh, I have no. been getting a heat advisory warning on my phone every evening for the past like week or two they're just yeah, like, yo, don't go outside ever for any reason. No, it's bad. Uh, but now we're talking about the weather. So I think we should move <laughs> on to other things like video games, because this is a video game podcast. And as we are want to do, we start out talking about the video games we've been playing. And since Bill is our guest, he gets to go first. So, Bill, what game have you been playing lately? Well, other than Popful Mail... Um, I've been playing a lot of Final Fantasy 16, and I have a couple podcast games I've been working on. I've been playing a lot of the Inuyasha game for PS2 and Uncharted Golden Abyss. That's been my main three I've been kind of alternating through for like the last like month or so. Hmm. Given uh, given the Vita some some time, huh? Gives it some love. Well, Persona 4 is on everything now, so I got to play something on it. <laughs> Guess. <laughs> Vita means life. Literally. It does. <laughs> play drive girls that fighting game where the girls are motorcycles wait what (laughs) well i'm immediately sold please elaborate (laughs) there's there's a really shitty anime like beat em up fighting game where like you play as these like anime girls but they're like motorcycles it's called drive girls it's really bad (laughs) i want to play this are they like okay so are, are they like transformers where they look like anime waifus and then they turn into motorcycles or like how, how do they how does that work they're just kind of bikes and then they it, i only played it for like three seconds it was like this is <laughs> what i'm trying to figure out or is it just like literally like a kawasaki with boobs like i'm trying to figure this out kind of yes great <laughs> um, all right i'm in it wasn't it wasn't good it was very playstation vita <laughs> that's all i'll say about it <laughs> gee i wonder why it died yeah but it means <laughs> life games like like anime anime booby bicycle fighting i i don't know i mean th- that's just a massive audience right there hey. isn't that like 50 percent of his library 
Oh, they turn into they turn into cars too. That was the other thing. Okay. <laughs> oh, great. Well, we got try trying to get as many of those very niche demographics as possible. That's like fifty percent of the Vita's library too, isn't it? Like games like that. Oh yeah. Like so, when the Vita went out of was basically being discontinued, I went on like this like like twelve hour road trip across Massachusetts just to like every games GameStop I could find and just like cleaned out their clearance uh, Vita sections. <laughs> mm. It was worth it at That's the time. Smart. <laughs> Oh, I mean, yeah, I mean, that was smart at the time. Now it's, ooh, ugh. yeah, you ain't getting, you ain't getting it cheap anymore. What about yourself, Shane? What have you been up to? I don't know. My update right now is pretty boring. I'm going to be honest. I, I really have not yeah. been playing much. We've been so busy the past few weeks that I'm, I'm lucky if I can even fit time in to play the games that we're supposed to talk about on this show. I put some time into Popful Mail. Uh, even though it's like a six hour game, I didn't finish it and we're, I'll, I will talk about why later. Yep. So that basically, and I, I've still been keeping up with Honkai Star Rail. I'm actually really enjoying that. So the pretty high quality turn-based JRPG experience that you can basically play, play for no money. So that's nice. I mean, full disclosure, I've I've put a little bit of money into it, but. Not much. So that, and actually, I think probably the next time we record, I imagine that this will be part of my what have I been playing, but I may or may not have just gotten PC Game Pass finally. Nice. Yeah. Oh, cool. Well, the motivator for it was, uh, so our, okay, so I haven't talked about this on the show like at all, but I guess now it's mostly official. There's still some paperwork and whatnot, but my wife and I have adopted a son, and so he is nine years old. He is super into Minecraft, as nine-year-olds are, <laughs> and uh, so that kind of motivated me to kind of revisit Minecraft, because I haven't touched Minecraft in, I don't even, like, at least 10 years or something. I realized that they, the Bedrock Edition, I guess, is like kind of the go-to now, and I was going to buy it. It's like 30 bucks on the Microsoft Store. But then I realized I could just play it with Game Pass for free. So I was like, well, I guess now's the time. I'm finally just going to dive in. So signed up for Game Pass. And I also got the, the Realms Plus subscription, which allows me to have my own private server. So I've set that up. So now we can, we can play together and our stuff can persist on a, on a private server. So oh, I'm excited. Yeah. So I expect that there will be more Minecraft in my future. And hey, you know, uh, if you you or, or the, the boys want to jump in sometime, I, I, can, I can hook you up with that server info if you want to jump in and, and play. Oh, definitely. Definitely. At least at least I know my oldest son is will be definitely down for it because he loves play some Minecraft. Nice. Yeah, that's uh, that's kind of it for me, man. I haven't really been doing a whole lot lately. Just a lot of a lot of real life stuff. That's still that's all awesome. I don't know. What about you? Hopefully. Hopefully you've been filling in for where I've huh. been lacking. That's that's the funny thing is that <laughs> I know that there is a game mm. that we are going to be talking about in October. Mm. That is a very long game. Uh -huh. So I'm doing everything I can to get ahead of the, the games we need to play for future episodes. So I've mostly been doing that. I've been doing OK. I hope. Wait, I hope have you start. You started without me. Damn it. No, no, I have not. Oh, OK. I have not. So if you're a fan of the show and you want to know what he means by that, you know what he means by that. But if you <laughs> want to know, hey, we have plenty in the backlog in our streams. You're going to you can find out mm -hmm. if you're keen enough. 
But I will say this. I did play a smattering of Capcom versus SNK2 mm. on my PS3 because I have the PS2 version of that downloaded on there. And I'll say this. Uh, the DualShock 3 is a terrible controller for fighting games. <laughs> it is not good. It's not. Great. I did not like it. No, it's not great at all. It's pretty fucking terrible, actually. And see, this is this is what happens when you get used to the Sega Saturn controller for <laughs> fighting games. You can never, ever go back. What's weird is, Bill, I feel like we've we've talked about controllers before. I don't I don't know where I'm getting this feeling from. We did. So, one I don't of them, know. One of them was a Patrick Stark controller, I think. Um, I mean, <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> so the N64 said so that's basically uh. what that is. Um, it's a good controller. I think you can hear my sister screaming in the background somewhere. <laughs> By the way, I was on an episode of Gaming Collecting with Bill about gaming controllers. If you want to go check that out. But yeah, DualShock 3, not a great controller for fighting games. I'll say that. I did manage to win somehow. Uh, but man, I like went with my mains and somehow I pulled it off with Cammy, which I had what uh, Ken is Ken, Athena and Cammy. And I'll have to say this, too. It's it's kind of sad when you look at some of these character sprites and you can tell that they're from Street Fighter Alpha 2 <laughs> or Darkstalkers. Morgan from Darkstalkers is is in Capcom versus SNK2. Obviously, they're still using the same sprite from either the PlayStation or Saturn game. It's really fucking displacing. It's not it's it's not good. But the gameplay is solid. I just don't know what the hell they were thinking. I it, it looks bad. Great playing game. Just terrible controller. But yeah, I, I try to spice it up a little bit there, Shane, uh, just because that that's about it outside of just games for the show. All right. Well, there you have it, I guess. Hey, well, I, I suppose that brings our waffling section to a conclusion. So I would imagine right. we probably ought to talk about the, the male what pops. So, Chris. Would you like to give the fine people at home a little brief history on Popful Mail? As we've talked about in the past, Sega could never truly figure out their home market in Japan. Both the Master System and Mega Drive were mostly duds. This didn't mean that Sega was content with rolling over and dying, or just appealing to the West. They could make several efforts to garner an audience that had mostly neglected their products in favor of NECs and Nintendos. So, sometime in 1993, Sega partnered with the somewhat prominent developer Nihon Falcom. Nihon Falcom had been known in Japan since the earliest days of gaming in that region, going back to the days of the PC-88, and was responsible for popular titles such as Dragon Slayer, Xanadu, and Ys. Needless to say, forming a partnership with a developer known for making games in or adjacent to the RPG genre was necessary for Sega, as the Mega Drive did not have many quality entries and was unquestionably the most popular type of game in Japan. So Sega Falcom was formed, and they set out to bring a game to the Mega CD. Instead of doing something original, Sega Falcom opted to remake a game that Falcom originally made for the PC-88 in 1991 called Popful Mail a 2D side-scrolling action-adventure game that was similar to East 3 and Xanadu. While there were also versions for the more powerful PC-98, and even a release on the PC Engine CD, 
Sega Falcom decided that they would completely rework the game from the ground up, changing the gameplay while keeping the basic concept intact. Sega Falcom wanted to go even further than that, and make this remake a complete overhaul of the characters and settings, making it a part of the Sonic the Hedgehog series. The game would be called Sister Sonic, and would change Male, the game's protagonist, into a flirtatious, smack-talking female family member of Sonic himself. However, fans of Popful Male started a male, huh, campaign flooded with negative feedback to keep the setting more faithful to the original PC-88 release. The campaign worked, and Popful Male was released in Japan on April 1st, 1994 for the Mega CD to rather tepid reviews and sales. With the intent of making the game into a member of the Sonic franchise defeated, so was the opportunity for Sega to release the game outside of Japan. Sister Sonic was made with international appeal in mind, so it was clear that Sega Falcom did not believe the game would find an audience in the West in its original concept. This left Working Designs, who by this point had become somewhat of a darling in the niche North American gaming community with its release of Lunar, the Silver Star in 1993, decided to obtain the rights and localize the game overseas. The full-scale localization would include making enemies more difficult, compressing sound quality to allow for more voice acting, and change cutscenes so that the voices would be in sync with the characters' mouths. They would accomplish the full localization in four short months. Mail would be released for the Sega CD in North America on February 23, 1995. Unlike Japan, it was received very positively by US critics, with many enjoying the game's characters, voice acting, and animation. Like Japan, however, the game didn't sell very well, as it was a game in somewhat of a niche genre on a niche console at the very end of its life. And that's really it for the story of Papa Mail. Sega Falcom shortly dissolved after release of the game, meaning that Popple Mail was the merger's only release. The Sega CD version has never been ported to anything as of the time of this recording, even with the game having a small and dedicated fan base, which has driven the price of a physical copy on the secondhand market into the stratosphere. And that is your brief history of Popple Mail. All right. Thank you, Chris, for that brief history. And, you know, it is wild to me that they wanted to turn this into some weird Sonic spinoff. Yeah, <laughs> that would have been a disaster. I'm just I'm I, I've, I've been talking briefly about this with with Bill, I think, in the discord servers. I'm like, you know what? We should have given Sega a chance. They weren't really known for making mistakes in the mid 90s. I think this probably could have worked. Sega was untouchable. They were they were geniuses. They did no wrong at this time. We I, we really need to like think about this. What's funny is I'm pretty sure this concept has been like turned into a fanfic probably at this point by like <laughs> oh, some for sure. crazy fans at this point. They're not crazy. They're just horny. Mm, break out the bonk sticks. <laughs> the thing is, is like. The name Sister Sonic, all, all I can think of is just like a female like Sonic the Hedgehog type character in like a nun outfit, like doing some like gun kata, like John Woo ass 
Like, oh my god, yeah, it's Bayonetta. It's like so, like <laughs> female shadow. Yeah, yeah, uh. exactly. Yes. <laughs> Please no. Like, there's just no for no reason. Please, there's yes. just doves in the background because you know. I want Sister Sonic now. I want it. I need. I need this. I, I need <laughs> a, a nun Sonic with dual pistols. I ooh. Ooh. I'm just saying, I think it would go over pretty I'm well. So down. Apparently, that's a huge piece of lost media too, because apparently there was a prototype that never was shown to the light of day. Mm. I'm sure for for all the poorest of reasons, because this this would have been a smash success. You know, I'm honestly Sister surprised Sonic. there's never been a ROM hack of Popple Mail that's actually tried to make that a thing at this point. Oh, I want it. I want it so bad. <laughs> All right, now for the inevitable next Sonic movie, I want there to be a Sister Sonic cameo in there somewhere. Just the <laughs> deepest cut reference possible. I mean, he did have a sister in that one really shitty cartoon from the 90s. Ah, that's true. Yeah. Voiced by Jaleel White. All of them were voiced by Jaleel White. <laughs> Jaleel White is Sonic, as far as I'm concerned. Well, thankfully, none of our personal experiences were with Sister Sonic. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe th- not, thankfully. Anyway, let's get to the personal experiences here. Bill, I'm going to let you go last here because I think you, you actually, you've told me you've actually played it in the past where I don't mm-hmm. think either myself or Shane have. So, uh, Shane, how about you say your personal experiences with Potful Mail? Uh, I had none. There you go. Oh, now, I mean, like, I, I had no idea this game even existed until we started talking about it. Something having to do with the show. I'm trying to remember, because I think actually I was the one that brought it up of like, hey, we should do an episode on this because it looks fun. Yeah, I don't. This was your idea. It, well, it was, but I don't remember how I even found out about it. I think I might have just been like, I don't know, trolling through some list of video games or something and was like, oh, this actually looks cool. I've never heard of it. I don't know. At any rate, I didn't even know this was a thing. Also, I who owned a Sega CD? I I I don't know anybody who did. So you know me. Well, yeah, okay. Now, but (laughs) back when this was relevant, uh, nobody had a Sega CD that I knew of anyway. So uh, yeah, no, no, I I I did not know this was a thing whatsoever, or that it's a, a remake of an even older game. I didn't know that either. Yeah, I didn't I didn't really know about the older games. And I mean, there's one for the Super Famicom as well. Yeah, that never came out in the United States. So there's all sorts of versions of this game. Only this is the only one that came over here. For me, I this is the first time I played this game. I actually sat down and played it like I've opened it up and I've ran it a little bit in the past. But this is one of those working designs games that has always eluded me. I knew about it back in the day. Because I had a Sega CD, Sega CDX, I had Vi, I had Lunar, I had Lunar 2. For some reason, I just never went after this game. And I was a big Working Designs fan. I tried to get as many Working Designs games as possible when they were available and when I could find them. I didn't have all of them, and this is one of the ones I, I did not have. And I don't know why I stayed away from it, because I can always remember wanting to play it. Maybe it's because I heard it was not a traditional RPG. And I was more into trying to find games that were in the traditional RPG vein. And uh, this is an action game. You know, this is a 2D scrolling action game with very light RPG elements. In fact, it has even less than Final Fantasy 16, if you if you can believe that. <laughs> so 
you know, this is this is a game that I'm I finally got to and I'm happy I was able to play it for this episode, kind of. And I, I'm happy I was able to close that gap. But yeah, this is a game I'd always heard of and just I don't know. I, I the thing that really chaps my ass too is like during the pandemic, like right after it had gone on for a little bit and game prices really began to spike, one of our local game stores had this for sale and they had not kept up with the, the price increases. So when this game originally got to that store, the game was worth $180. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, Chris, why would you buy a game for $180? That's stupid. And yes, you are correct. However, I did end up buying a game for $180 and that was Shining Force CD because they also had that game there because I missed out on Potful Mail. To this day, I, I still am pissed that I didn't do the, because the, they have a layaway special where you put 25% down, you can pay over the course of three months and you can get it. I'm pissed I didn't get it earlier because I it's it's a $180 game and like only idiots buy those like me. <laughs> <sighs> I, I wish I grabbed it because what what is it at now, Bill? Uh, it's getting close to it. Last I checked, it was up to 400. Yeah. So I'm very upset. Uh, needless to say. Oh, 518, 518 now. Uh, hooray. <laughs> so, uh, I guess that is a good segue into you, Bill, cause you have a physical copy of this game. I do. Uh, what is your, what is your personal experience with this? So per- personal experience is a little bit of a stretch. Cause I mean, it was like five years ago, but that's still, I did play it before. Like, we we had discussed doing this episode mm-hmm. so i guess like my first time hearing about this game is actually kind of hilarious it was this was like back when i was in like middle school and i was looking up like weird sonic trivia because i was really into sonic back in the day and i found the article on sister sonic and i was like what is popful mail and i like read about it i was like oh that's weird i don't know what a sega cd is and i kind of like brushed <laughs> it off at the time then years later of course i get into game collecting and like it becomes a my main hobby in life and i learn more about working designs. I become a massive Lunar fan and I decide I need to get Popful Mail at some point. And unfortunately, Sega CD games like Saturn games are almost impossible to find nowadays. And if you do find them, they're absurdly expensive for the most part. So going to like where I finally did actually find my copy of Popful Mail, me and uh, my sister Alex were actually uh, hanging out for a weekend when she had initially moved away. And we were going to go game hunting just as like a sibling thing. And the first game store we go to, I remember walking in, it was, we, I just gotten there, like the, the first night I was visiting and we walked in just to see, I wasn't expecting to buy anything major. I walk up to the counter, look down at the glass and I just see Popful Mail, one ninety nine, And I just looked at it and went, I'm never going to see this again. So I just like, I straight up <laughs> looked into my wallet and was like, this is all my money I have. Oh, well, <laughs> and I bought it because I couldn't. I was never going to see that price again, like one ninety nine. Yeah, no. And I bought it, and the the funniest part was my Sega CD obviously wasn't with me at the time, so I couldn't even test the thing. And I just it kind of sat around for the entire trip while I was uh, visiting until I could get home and actually play it. And the funny part is, I literally live like an hour, like fifteen minutes away from that same store now, which is even funnier. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was my experience. And I, of course, I played it and I beat it. After I bought it and this was around 2019 I want to say and I finished it and I kind of put it down it, it I enjoyed my time playing it but it didn't leave the same impact on me that like Lunar 2 did and it kind of just went on the shelf as like this is another grail of my collection that I guess I'll talk about every now and then and that was kind of really about it yeah 
See, and here we are. Well, you're welcome. That investment paid off because now you're a guest on the Retro Hangover podcast. Yes. I think the funny part is like, I think you asked me to join because I had posted a picture in the Discord server of like my stupid Sega CD 32X monster with Hopful Mail in the background and you had messaged me after asking about it, which was kind of funny. Damn right. How many how many people go out of their way to get games like like that, like like we do? Oh, just crazy people like us. Exactly. Like there's there's something wrong with us. Hey, hey, don't don't loop me into that. I'll try not to. OK, thank you. <laughs> you sell your games. Y- yes. <laughs> you you offload them like a smart person. <laughs> Listen, man, I, I played them. Somebody else can play them now. I always say collectors are just organized hoarders. <laughs> we are. <laughs> And organized is a very loose term when you look at how some of this shit is stored. I mean, to be fair, like we, we all have our thing, you know, like mine not might not be physical copies of video games, but I'm also sitting next to a shelf of hundreds of dollars of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle NECA figures. So, I mean, who am I to judge? Mm. We all, we all have that one thing where we kind of be like, why? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, I just got the brand new Kino fig in the mail with complete with his uh, his pizza delivery bike and everything. It's pretty sweet. Nice. Ah, sick. See, I got the problem with like, I just have an obsession with collecting all sorts of physical media. So I have just like fucking comics and manga and fucking CDs because I have no self-control sometimes. (laughs) That's how the collector's market gets you. Yeah. Uh, And the peer pressure makes it worse. Thanks, Ray Ray. You know who you are. I just kind of called you out. Sorry. Anyway, let's move on to the plot and writing. <laughs> sure. Because we're beating ourselves up over collecting shit. We might as well talk about the story here, which is you are Potful Male, a bounty hunter who is trying to catch the notorious Nutscracker. And well, you can't catch Nutscracker because he is a very crafty Nutcracker cracking nuts, I guess. You go into town and you find out that there's another dude who can be captured by the name of Muttonhead, <laughs> which is a fantastic name. Really great. And he is worth two million gold. So you set off to go and try to catch this dude and zany antics abound. And that's really the plot of, of Puffle Mail is just her trying to get rich yep. and then just stumbling into a bunch of other shit. Shane, what did you think of the plot and writing of Puffle Mail? I mean, so the the interesting thing with this, I guess, right, is like our opinions of this are going to be colored by the uh, artistic license that was taken by working designs, right, to some degree. Mm-hmm. Mm. And so I guess we're really only commenting on that, to which I would say I generally really like working designs translations. I know some people don't like them so much just because there's a lot of very like topical references they throw in that very much like peg the game at a particular era but Mm -hmm. that's never really bothered me all that much and i do think that the vast majority of the you know translation decisions that they make uh kind of end up in some pretty witty dialogue and so the the same kind of goes here i I'm going to kind of front load this a little bit and we'll go into the details as we kind of move along. But suffice to say, I feel like I, I enjoy everything about this game except playing it. <laughs> if that makes any sense. I love the writing. I love the voice acting. I love all of that. And just 
not so much actually the experience of playing the game. So I guess that's my commentary on on the on the plot and stuff is the plots, whatever. But I really liked the writing. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you here. The the writing is is fantastic. The the way that working designs wrote this game, how they translated it from the original Japanese version, which I have no idea what the original Japanese version said, by the way. It could not have been a serious game in Japan. No, no, like there's no. there's no way. Absolutely not. I just I love the way I love the way working designs comedy works here. I think that out of all the working designs games I have played, the the comedy lands the best here in, in Popful Mail by far. Mm. Like the characters are the most relatable. They come to life the most. I got to say, Gaw, who is an actual dick dragon, he's a micro penis <laughs> dragon. He is fantastic. The dragon. He is totally, dude, he totally looks like my, I was playing this game and my wife came in and I made a proto dick dragon way back in the day. God, I, I drew one and Shane immediately knows what yeah, I'm talking can we about. Just leave that buried, please. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll bury that. Uh, but if you just shrink, shrink that down and, and make it like a little round nub, that's Gaw and Gaw is incredible. He even makes fun of French people, which that that makes him my kindred spirit. Because as as you know, listeners of the show, we have I well, I won't say we, I will say I have feelings about France. Maybe they're not justified, but I still said them and I stand by them. And Ga also has those same feelings as demonstrated in a cutscene. So thank you, Ga, for validating me. I now feel whole. But some of the, the the humor in here, it just hits. It just lands. It's it's very uh, like Saturday morning cartoon, but more Adult Swim. It just it just works. Like there's an adult angle to it, very slapstick, mm. and I and I love that. Especially how it's accompanied by the animations mm. that we'll talk to when we get to graphics. Like uh, uh, the character Slick, which isn't in your party because you have three characters in your party, which is uh, male Tat and Ga. Tat kind of sucks. Yeah, but like you keep on running this character named Slick and the animations, like just how dumb and unaware, like the complete lack of self-awareness that goes into the writing, just like your typical comedy relief anime character. It's perfect. And and working designs captured that. And this game, the, the voice acting captured that we'll talk about in sound. It's just it's amazing. And I'm not going to go into the gameplay. We'll, we'll get there. As Shane said, there's plenty to talk about there. But yeah. the writing and the plot are fantastic. Yeah, Slick's dialogue is great too. Like the, the so good the, that part where he gets stuck in the cave, and then he's talking about like making the bombs. I mean, first of all, he's like, he's like, yeah, I found like this paperclip and some bat guano and this other thing, and I made a bomb. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then then that whole like where he just does this like fourth wall break thing and does like an after school PSA about like not trying this at home. Like yes. that went on for longer than I thought it was going to. And I was just sitting there being, I was just like, wow. Okay. This, we're doing this. Yeah. I, I don't know. And I'll kick it over here to you in a second, Bill, but I don't know why they, they went all dramatic in the intro. Cause in the intro, they try to be really dramatic. Like, Oh, a thousand years ago, these, and it, yeah, it does go into the final boss, but it's like, Oh, they, they sealed the overlord and it's a dwarf, an elf, and a human, and they did it really well, and it, they saved the land. And it doesn't really tie into anything outside of just kind of stumbling upon it. 
which I, you know, it is what it is. I mean, I, mean, I guess you got to set it even up in the intro. I mean, yeah, but even in the intro, it takes a pretty hard left turn real quick when you yeah. see <laughs> Nutcracker yeah. and he's got this ridiculous Italian accent and then throws his head yeah. at somebody and explodes. You're just like, what? What the fuck am I watching? Yeah. And of course, Mail's a big titted leotard wearing elf girl, which oh, yeah. is very anime. Mm-hmm. You ever seen the original <laughs> very PC uh, 88 cover? No. It's her getting dressed. It's it's very Falcom. <laughs> oh, God. Now, now I'm going to look this up afterwards and feel very ashamed of myself. <laughs> I was looking through the cover and I was like, what the fuck is this? And, oh, that's Japan's cover. OK, makes sense. So what did you think? What did you think, Bill? I love the writing in this game. You'll find in this episode, I'm going to mention that I have like very, a very two sided like opinion of working designs these days. And I will say the writing and like everything like about the story and how they portray like localize this game is part of why I love working designs. And I still do to this day. Mm -hmm. Like everything is so entertaining and happy. Like I love the characters. I love the way that they like portray them, like the voice acting, especially for, I mean, it screams like early nineties, like dub standards, but I mean, I love that shit. So it's like not a big problem to me but like it's it's really well done like the voices are all very fitting to the characters i love like how male just like throughout the entire game has just this like no fucks given attitude like she's just in it for money yes she she doesn't give a shit about what's going on that reminds me actually while we were i was playing it on the tv in our living room and like my wife kind of like walked by and there was i don't remember the exact section but Oh, no, I know what it was. It was when she was going to let let what was his name out of the jail cell. Um, was that slick again? Muttonhead? No, no, no. It might be slick. It's probably I think slick. It was, I think it was slick. But and she was like basically extorting him. And my wife was just <laughs> like, she's a bitch. And I was, <laughs> I was like, I mean, kind of. Yeah, actually. One of my favorite moments is like in like the first major boss. Like uh, it's when you first like really encounter a tat. He won't go past because he can't beat the boss. So he's all like. Hey, if you beat it for me, can you come back and like, just let me know it's clear. And you, of course, after you finish the boss, you can really forget about that. So you just go to the next screen and he runs up and he's like, Hey, you were supposed to tell me that like you, you passed. And she's like, yeah, I don't care. Yeah. she doesn't. Give, <laughs> I don't know if you can go back and actually let him know. I've never done it. I always just keep running. Yeah. So actually I was curious about that too. And obviously I was playing this on emulation. So I, uh, I had saved right before that boss battle. So I did that too, where I totally blanked about going back to talk to him. And then he, he did that whole thing. And I was like, I wonder, so I reloaded it. I did the boss battle again. And then I immediately backtracked and there's an entirely different interaction that occurs. Oh, is there? Okay. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. You know what? I'll say this. I'll say this too, is that in terms of different interactions, there's a different conversation that every single character has with, you know, an event. Mm -hmm. It's not mm. all of them are, are bad guys, but whenever you have a cutscene where the character you're controlling starts talking, it, it will change depending on which character that you have. And this is why you never want to play as Tat, because his dialogue options are usually the least interesting. But Ga and Male are, are just so wonderfully written, and they're such incredible characters and they had me rolling for so many of the dialogue choices that i mean you don't choose it i mean it plays out as it will but just what they say in these situations is it's it's magnificent i i absolutely loved it so if you do play this game 
make sure to try to see the different options with the characters and what the conversations are with it too because it's it's a delight mm. it's so good it's definitely like the reason why like working designs is so fondly remembered these days it's this writing like this is like what they were like key for that and their extravagant packaging for their games <laughs> absolutely absolutely yeah and i just wanted to throw in since we were talking about like the different interactions and, and things like that if you take a look at the the manual that comes along with this version of the game for the sega cd there's a whole like page that working designs put in there about translation notes and they talk about that that like this was at the time this was like basically one of the one of the biggest conversions they'd ever done and they weren't even sure that they were going to pull it off because I think they ended up with something like three hours of audio with 39 different speaking parts. So yeah. Yeah. If that gives you any idea, but yeah, pretty cool though. On one CD, mm. one yeah. CD is incredible. Super impressive too. Cause this was just coming off of like lunar, which lunar itself is ex- incredibly impressive mm-hmm. for the time. This is where I think it's going to get a, a quite a bit more contentious. <laughs> The gameplay. <laughs> so, Bill, you were talking about you have a dual headed opinion now of working designs. We talked about that one good head. What's giggity? What's the other side? What's the dual headed view from Bill Barber? So I, I'm going to first say, I don't know how the hell I beat this game back in 2019 in one go. That <laughs> I don't know. I must have had more patience at the time. Yeah, this game is frustrating in a lot of ways and a lot of it has to do with working designs likes to change shit in their games for no arbitrary reason other than to make it harder i guess Uh yeah so there's three characters first of all we should say there's there's three characters you can control and they all control different Mm -hmm. you have as we already said male tat and and ga male usually uses swords but she also has ranged weapons like like boomerangs and some of her weapons can shoot ranged attacks ga is mostly a ranged attacker but he does have close melee attacks and then you have tat which has almost all ranged attacks males the fastest one what's what's tat's advantage that all his attacks are just ranged is that pretty much it because he's not as fast as male i think so really ever used him so. i'm pretty sure he yeah. also start he has a like a base attack power that i think is higher than hers too yeah that goes away pretty quick though yeah and ga has the highest attack power and can jump the highest, but he moves the slowest. Uh, Ga's the best character. Mm. It's it's not even close, really. But uh, you have three different styles of play you can do, and they actually they they all have their situations where they're they're best used, uh, particularly for bosses. But one of the things Working Designs did in their infinite wisdom, this is what Bill is talking about, is that they raised the amount of damage that enemies do. So I was looking at some notes on this game. There are certain enemies that when you run into them, if you're playing the game normally, uh, the enemy will do five damage to you. Now you have a hundred hit points and that, that the amount of hit points never changes. It's always going to be a hundred hit points because you don't have levels. Everything's based off your equipment, but you can upgrade. So if you're playing this normally, there are enemies that will do five damage to you in the Japanese version. When Working Designs brought it over to North America when they localized it, the same enemy did 45 damage. Holy shit, I didn't realize they cranked it that high. They cranked it that high. Not to mention the frames, the invincibility frames of animation is extremely short. You don't have a big window. So 
if you get hit, you can get into a cycle where you can get hit three or four times. Now, if you have 100 hit points and you're getting hit for 40, 45 hit points per hit, I mean, you do the math. It's three hits, not <laughs> pretty much. You're, you're kind of fucked. I also I, and I went through some forums because I had to think like this can't just be me. Maybe I just suck at this game. And I saw some other people were like, yeah, this game's really hard. And some people were like, oh, I don't remember being very hard. And I actually now I can't verify this was actually Victor Ireland in these forums, but it said Victor Ireland and people are talking to him like he's a Victor Ireland. Maybe just be a poser. Maybe I could be getting a lot of misinformation. I don't know. This is from like 10 years ago. And Victor Ireland went, yeah, we, we made a lot of changes. We were really proud of that. I don't remember raising the difficulty, though. Like, yeah, I, I don't think we did that. I don't remember that. I'm like, my dude, you damn near broke this game. It's not exile wicked phenomenon levels of broken. Go look that up. I'm not going to explain it. It's another game working designs did for the turbo CD, but it's brutal mm-hmm. and you can get around it if you buy enough fruit, which, by the way, working designs also increase the price yep. of all the items to buy. So like by like 10 times. So, yeah, you know, it's funny. You had sent me that the the D working designs version of this game to play. Mm-hmm. After playing that, it completely ruined the Sega CD version that I have forever because it's like I played that version. I'm like, oh, this is actually really fun. And then I was like, the hell, <laughs> it's ruined <laughs> the original. <laughs> Must have been blind to it when I first played it or something. I just didn't think about it. <laughs> Shane, did you even try playing? I know that you played the unworking designs version sure that that ROM hack. Yep. Did you even try playing the original? Hell no. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I wasn't going to touch that. Like I, that's why I listen, we've done enough on this show. We've, we've, we've touched enough working designs material that even I know now to immediately go and look for like the hack version to <laughs> undo whatever insane thing they did. Nah, I, I, if I was going to play this, I didn't want to voluntarily subject myself to what I think is really an inferior experience like I, I didn't and the funny thing is is i'm the one that said that i didn't even actually get through this whole thing and i played it on like the way that it should have been played yeah and you know what the weird the weird thing is too about this game is as difficult as it is and you said you did you find it difficult was that the issue or is this more the controls uh well i mean since we are in the gameplay section i actually didn't find it difficult necessarily i just found it yeah frustrating and Mm. kind of tedious which like Hmm. i didn't expect i was i was actually kind of disappointed i'm not gonna lie because part of the reason that i suggested that we do this episode in the first place was because i looked at this thing and i was like oh holy crap like this is a a a 2d action side scroller with like rpg elements and it's got a relatively short you know uh like play time and it looks like it's fun. I like the art style. Like, this should be a good time. That's why I picked it. Because I was like, this looks like something I'm going to enjoy playing and then talking about on the show. And it ended up being, like I said a little while back, that I absolutely adore everything about this game except playing it. Which is really weird. Oof. Because there's just a number of things. And they're they're small things. But they like they add up to... The point where I put this down one evening after putting, uh, I was probably playing for like maybe an hour or two and I just never picked it up again because I realized I had zero motivation to go back and like continue playing. Ouch. 
which is a super bummer for me because I really wanted to like this game. But there, there's a few things and I don't want to monologue for too long here, but the to, the short version is I absolutely hate the jumping because it feels mm. way too floaty for a platformer. And that's sort of coupled with the getting bounced when you get hit mechanic. I have never liked that in any game especially with like some of the verticality in these levels, you can get bounced by hitting something and you fall all the way to the bottom. And that is super frustrating. But actually the thing that really stopped me, the thing that made me think like, do I want to fire this up again and continue playing was the amount of backtracking that you kind of end up having to do. It's really odd to me and maybe, and hopefully maybe you two can enlighten me. And if I did something wrong, I will 100% go back and like continue playing this game after we record this episode. But I didn't see a way to teleport directly to a town because this game has teleporting in that like you can just quick travel to another area that you've already been to on like the world map. But in order to get to any of the safe zones, any of the town areas, you still have to traverse the entire ass level to get back to it again. Was there something I missed there or was that intended? Bill, do you have an answer for this? Because I kind of do. So I, I know the, the, so the, the warp feature that he was mentioning is a little confusing because like there's like two menus you kind of have to go through. Because like there's like a certain like, I noticed like when I was playing it, like if you click on one option, it'll take you to like the end of a stage and then you click on the other, it'll take you before the stage depending on which one you click it. Right. I knew I had, it was kind of frustrating. I just kind of would power through them at times. Cause I'm, I'm a psychopath like that. So <laughs> maybe you have a better answer. Yes. And no, first of all, I, I, I totally get what you're saying because when you're trying to buy fruit, especially in the North American version, because you need to buy a ton of fruit mm-hmm. because you're going to take a shitload of damage. The best place to get it is later in the game with uh, a town called Icicles, the ice town, obviously. And instead of going to the town that says Icicle, you have to go to a, a ship that's like Mount Sheba or something. I don't know. It's, it's the thing after the town. Mm. And then you warp to that and you go into the back entrance of like the town level. And then it's just a really short traveling distance to get there. And then once you get to that point, it's pretty easy to stock up, stock up on items, especially getting ready for the final boss. This is where I'm going to have to also say, like, that the bosses themselves, I don't think are particularly difficult. I think they're quite fun. Mm. It's just the amount of damage that is incurred when you're fighting them in the North American version. Because I think if you have enough fruit, because you can access your, your item menu at any time and be able to use the fruit, which is actually quite generous in how much it it replenishes you and you find quite a bit moving your way through. Plus, you have items that will automatically revive you if you die. So there's there's a lot of things that do make it generous in addition to a very, very generous save feature. Yes. Where you can yeah. save right before the boss. So when you put all those things together, I didn't really find myself needing to go back to a town. And with that in mind, the only time I had to go back to it was at near the very end at the very last town I needed to go to. Which is extremely accessible if you know how to get to it. I mean, I guess maybe that's me. That That's maybe it's just me. Yeah. Cause like, so the thing that happened that caused me to kind of like put this down was I, I didn't even really get that far into the game if I'm being a hundred percent honest, but like I, 
Tat joined my party. I was playing at, with him afterwards for a little bit. And I was like, my RPG instincts tingled. And I was like, oh, I should go to a town and see if they have gear available for him. Because, you know, the, the menus are contextual in this game. So it depends on who you are using when you talk to an NPC and also the shops. So I wanted to backtrack to the last town I had been to, which was like the treetop one or whatever. Tree Sun. Yeah, Tree Sun. And see if I could buy him gear, which fun fact, they do have better gear for him at Tree Sun if you go back. And so like I wanted to do that because I thought that that would be the smart thing to do. And I ended up just doing a whole bunch of backtracking through the entire level to get back to the town. And if I'm being honest, I'm not even a huge fan of how the levels are laid out because they're not even necessarily that big, but they, I don't know, they just don't, they don't have a good flow to them, I found. And so like trying to remember where to navigate to get back to a certain place just felt tedious to me. And so once I went back finally and bought the upgrades for him, I think they just had the, oh no, actually they had all three. Now that I think about it, I think they had a better like rod and robe and amulet, I think, or whatever it was, not an amulet, but the other accessory. Then I kind of started going back to where I had left off and I didn't get much further than that. I don't know. There was something about that that just kind of like really soured me. And I was just like, ah, I just, I lost all motivation. So I don't know. Yeah. You mentioned how the levels are kind of oddly designed. This game kind of has like a Metroidvania-esque feel to it at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the levels actually remind me a lot of uh, it's ironic uh, Sonic CD in a way, like where they're very vertically designed and not exactly left or right in, in a lot of ways. I think that especially the further you get. Yes. Yeah. Where it's kind of more about like you kind of have to just jump, jump around and explore to find things. It's not really super direct um, and linear. But it's not terrible. Like you can actually get through this game without a guide if mm. you, you really want to, especially if you're not getting hit for 50 damage per attack. That's the biggest thing that discouraged me from exploring because these are designed to be explored and to look around and see what's there because there's treasure mm-hmm. and you want that treasure. But then when you're getting hit uh, for 50 damage per attack and if you hit, get hit twice, you're going to lose an elixir or die. You're not going to want to romp around and explore. Well, it's very counterintuitive. It is. And I mean, even without the ramped up damage, I think the other part that was a little bit of a detractor for me was just the respawning enemies. Like, I get it because you can farm them if you really want to, which also that was a really maybe I didn't have to do this, but I kind of felt like the game was pushing you in that direction, like right off the get. In, in the very first area, when you drop down into the first like elf town or whatever, you're you're kind of not so subtly told that you should probably just go and like grind for a bit in the first area to get enough money to like buy gear and shit. And I was just like, I, okay, like that. I'm gonna be honest. I was not expecting to be told to go grind money in a, an action platformer RPG, but here we are and so i get why they're respawning i guess but also that was another thing that really just made the exploration feel laborious to me is like it would be one thing if i had cleared the area and then i was able to you know poke around in all the corners and explore and all that stuff but having to constantly be on guard for like oh this thing respawned for the fifth time while i'm trying to hop around here 
just gets really tiresome. And actually that that dovetails into something else about the gameplay that irked me. Um, I know I'm being like relentlessly negative here, but I, I, I don't necessarily mean to be. But did either of you notice how and I, I really dislike it when games do this. But did you, either of you notice how the screen does not scroll horizontally until your character is further in that direction from center screen? Yeah, it's a complaint I have. Yeah. yeah, I hate that because what ends up happening is that puts you too close to the screen edge to whichever direction you're going. And so you get surprised by enemies more often than not and take unnecessary damage, which for me was less of an issue because they were doing like five damage or when I bought new gear, they were doing like two. But I mean, for you, that had to have been painful. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It was extremely (laughs) painful. It was awful. (laughs) Like I would have to inch my way across the screen and either use tat or mail with a distance attack or just use gob when he had a distance attack and just periodically just fire a weapon just to make sure there wasn't an enemy hiding behind the screen mm-hmm. because they'll just pop up. Yep. And it sucks. Like it's not good, especially when they're doing the amount of damage that we've been talking about. It's it kind of blows. Nothing's worse than when you like jump over a pit right at the end end of like a screen before it scrolls and then you get immediately hit and knocked straight into the pit into the spikes and you're just like, oh, that's great. <laughs> Yep. Serious Sonic 2 Metropolis zone vibes. Yeah. And yes, I am not a fan of those fucking praying mantises. Oh. And it felt like that a lot in this game. There's a lot of that. I've, I've, I'll be yeah, completely fair. Even though I did, I sounds like I enjoyed the gameplay here a lot more than you, Shane. Like a lot more. I, I think so. It's not perfect. Yeah, I did. I, I think it was a good time. I think it controlled well. I think the characters controlled very well. I think jumping was fine. I didn't find it floaty. Uh, especially when you get Gaw, who can jump higher and you have more control over where your jumps can go. I thought that was a lot better. Uh, Mail's a little too fast at yeah. times, especially in the ice levels. I think that might be part of it because like, it, yeah. you, and you can test this out. Like anybody can go and take a look at this right off the get. Like if you go with mail and you walk up to an edge of a platform, you would expect if you've been playing video games for more than 15 minutes that like, when you walk off that edge, there's a certain sort of like physics that you expect to, to take, to take action, to occur. And it doesn't like she rockets herself off the edge. Even if you like, even if you're inching up to the edge, she will do like this leap off almost at this like weird 45 degree angle. And it makes the platforming really weird because you're going to end up launching yourself into things that you can't see or into spikes or what have you, because it's not, it's not dropping in the way that like you would expect, like say, you know, Mario, like a 2d Mario game. That's sort of like the, the gold standard we can use as sort of like the benchmark. Right. And like, it doesn't act that way at all. And I guess that's maybe what I meant by floaty. It's not so much, not so much floaty in that it's, I guess, it feels off. It's like imprecise in a weird way. That's fair. What do you think, Bill? Honestly, it, it's funny like how we, we bring up like mail is very fast and that it immediately makes me think they wanted to make this a Sonic game. <laughs> like, <laughs> yep. That pops into my head immediately. <laughs> you know, though, honestly, though, the way I looked at it was like gameplay wise, I thought the gameplay was really good. I just thought the design around it was a little inconsistent throughout the experience. Like, 
Yes. Because I, I never had problems with the way it controlled. Like, I enjoyed, like, how everything felt. It was just playing through the levels, like, there'd be just, like, really cheap design moments or, like, just things that I'm like, that could have been better. That that wasn't the best or stuff like that. Yo, yo, I don't, I've got to ask you if you, if you beat it for this run. Was it just me or were the final bosses pushovers? They were, you know, honestly, the boss fights are, like, the easiest part to me of this game. Because, like, once you figured out their pattern, it's basically you just got to memorize it and, like, they're simple. Yes. It's like the enemies are more annoying than the bosses, like, mm. in all honesty. Well, these are the final bosses. And you've for the final boss, you are locked into one character per boss. Mm-hmm. That was the only ones, like, the, those. the final bosses were the only ones with the exception of males. Because there's a trick to hers. But even then, once you learn the trick, as you, as you said, Bill, it's, it's mindless. But every single one of them was just like mind numbingly easy compared to everything that was before that. Especially there's this. Um, do you remember the night? Yeah. The one that keeps walking towards you and then you go to the stairs. I didn't use Gaw. I don't know why I didn't use Gaw because that's essentially who you're supposed to use for almost every boss fight. <laughs> but that thing just kept killing me over and over and over and over again. Because it pushes you to the edge of the stairs. And then if you're male like I was, you can't hit him unless you like jump over a certain level of stairs. But if you do that, you get hit. And of course, he hits you for an absurd amount of damage because it's the North American Working Designs version. While you have these dolls float above you dropping bombs on you that do similar amounts of damage, it can become a very, very irritating fight. And I, I could not stand that boss fight. But then, yeah, the, the, the final boss with God and Tat especially tat you just sit there and you just like fire your wand and you hold up so it can go up into his weak spot and then he disappear disappears comes back does the same thing and it's just it's repeated tedium but it's just that dynamic that <laughs> duality of just having these levels that are infuriatingly difficult at times because of mostly because of the changes that working designs made because i agree with bill that this game controls, I think, really well. Shane, not so much, but I, I do like the way this game controls and plays. It's just some of that. Some of that shit is just so unfair. But then you get to some of these bosses like, wow, um, if they wanted to make something more challenging, this this probably would have been it aside from the the just damage total. Yeah, I mean, like even like going back to like the first boss, like that you fight with a male. Like literally, like if you know what you're doing, you just got to stand in one spot and literally just every time it lands next to you, just use the sword and just like wait till it dies. Yeah. Anything else? I think we've kind of nailed this gameplay down. We've we're not mailing this in, so to speak. <laughs> ah. You will see the game over screen a lot. <laughs> I I actually didn't. Oh no. Well, again, it comes back to the the safe states. Oh, right. no, not the safe states, not the safe state, but the the, the generous save system, because you can save before every boss and then you can load like right there. <laughs> uh, it's so easy to do. And I actually did not have to use save states at all because I don't I, I will freely admit it. I don't care about using safe states. OK, this is I'm not done. Mm. This is where I'm, I'm going to bitch. Mm. Big bitch here. I started using safe states when you started getting to points where you'd be talking to a bad guy and the dialogue is unskippable. Mm, yep. And they would immediately throw you into a boss fight or a situation where you could not save. There's a situation where you get locked behind by this dude named Venuncio and you have to kill these little flame things and hitting them is like way harder than it has any right to be. 
And if you don't kill them all within a certain amount of time, it's game over. But you can't save once you're done talking to him. And the only way you can load it is you have to load it right before you talk to him. And it's like a like a minute and a half of him talking that you can't skip through. And the, another one is, and by the way, amazing performance. We'll talk about this in sound. Sven Tian Common, one of the one of the best pieces of dialogue in the entire game. It's great, but he's going to do it every single time if you happen to fall to him. Mm. Mm. Which really blows. That's when I had to start breaking out the save states. Because I was like, I don't want to hear him talk for the fucking 30th time. <laughs> I, I just want to move on. I just want to see what's next. I brought up the, the game over screen just because it, it's basically just an image of male like laying on her butt, basically like knocked out. And um, her, she makes like has different quotes for like every time you see the game over screen. I was just going to comment. It was nice of them to give us different quotes every time. So it wasn't super repetitive. <laughs> yeah. Like Bubsy. Great. <laughs> I'm glad that you find a reason to bring that up. Not quite that annoying, but. <laughs> Is it time to talk about how this game sounds so we can stop being divisive on this? Sure. Let's do it. Sound effects. Uh, Shane, you've been you've been kind of quiet for the past couple minutes. Uh, what did you think about the game's sound design? Overall, it's great. I, I mean, I will say for the most part, the, the sound design as far as sound effects and that sort of thing are they're They're fine. I don't think there's anything that really necessarily stood out to me. I think they're totally serviceable. I, I will say that even though I generally liked the soundtrack, uh, at least of what I heard, and I know this is this is probably a technical limitation, particularly with the amount of dialogue that recorded dialogue that's in this game. But I, I did kind of wish that there was a bit more variety with the music. I understand mm, that yeah. they basically had the same backing track for what they consider a stage but what they consider a stage is generally broken up into several like sub stages and so my expectation uh i guess again kind of driven from games like super mario world or something like that was that each one of those points on the overworld map would have like their own unique uh track and they don't mm. and so it gets kind of repetitive after a while so it was nice to finally get to like the second like zone because i could finally hear some different music i suppose that's kind of a little bit of a nitpick but the real standout here as we've kind of mentioned a few times already is absolutely the voice acting it ranges from genuinely very good to it's kind of like ham-fisted but in the best way possible and i kind of love pretty much all of it it's it's great and there's something and i don't know if it's just like a byproduct of the time in which this was recorded or if it was just choices made on the on the voice artist's behalf i'm not sure but there's something about the delivery of the lines that feels very like real and I, I don't know if that makes sense. A lot of the times we're, I guess maybe now we're so used to very, very produced voiceover that you don't get things like mouth noises and, you know, like the, the grunts and things like that, that you would probably get from just talking to someone and the performances that were delivered in this, a lot of them 
have that. And honestly, I think it adds to it. It, it adds this mm. like very sort of personal touch to things that makes it just feel that much more real. And so I, I really appreciated that. Even just the, the changing of cadence of like when they're talking like slick, like I love it when he does those little asides because he talks a lot faster when it's like in a parenthetical, you know, where he's saying something just mm-hmm. like, well, you know, you didn't save me and I'm not saying you should, but you probably should. But anyway, and like, I just really liked that. I think it was very well done. Go ahead, Bill. Pretty much in terms of the voice acting, I'm pretty much just going to mirror everything Shane said. Like it's for like the nineties, like standards at the time, like where voice acting was very hit or miss. Like it's all very well done, especially coming from relatively unknown actors and actresses at the time. Cause I don't think I'm pretty sure working designs just used like, randos they found at the time and i will say for the soundtrack it's weird i don't think it's bad but i don't find any of it memorable mm-hmm. if that makes sense like it's mm. not like a lunar game or like i'm just talking working designs like like lunar or like an arc the lad where like i remember tons of tracks like from those games Papa mill yeah it's like i remember the main theme like like the title screen but that's like about it honestly but like none of it was like offensive to the ears, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I can I can definitely see that. Also, I just one more thing for me to throw in before Chris puts his two cents in. But I just want a particularly special shout out to the voice uh, artist for Muttonhead because <laughs> he he did not have to go that hard, but he did it. And he and he did that for us. Yeah, he did. <laughs> He's great. You know, it's it's interesting you bring that up about the voices, Shane, because now that I'm really thinking about it, you know what it reminds me of? Mm. It reminds me of of live theater and or puppet shows like a lot of that overemphasis. Yeah, but not like way too much emphasis where it's like intentionally cheesy. Right. And I it's it's right in that middle sweet spot where you can't say it's bad, but it has a certain quality, a je ne sais quoi, if you will, <laughs> where. It's just like it's perfect for for what they're trying to do here. Like in, if a game, if this was a serious game, it would not work. Oh, no, at all. no, not at all. <laughs> like this is this is for pure comedy. That's why I kind of went to like a uh, uh, puppet show, that kind of direction. Yeah, but you're you're right. in in terms of the voices, and I don't think these were randos, Bill, because Ashley Angel was a character, which, of course, was Alex who became a successful pop singer later in life. Okay. And I can't remember his name. It's the guy who did Galleon. Yes. He's in here. I wish God, what's I'm going to type this up. Sorry for the click, click, click Ashton. Oh, but I'm going to look this up. So mail was in magic night, Ray earth and lunar silver star story complete as well. Yeah. Who's Galleon's voice actor, John Truitt. Yes. John Truitt uh, was Galleon's voice actor. And he is the voice actor of mumbles who doesn't have a big spot. But they're taking a lot of the same voice actors that they had in the Lunar games that they would probably reapply over to Lunar 2. And I think the singer for the, the end credit song is the same singer that was there for Lunar 2 and some of the Lunar tracks. Mm. So, I mean, this is they, they're not exactly taking randos, but they're they're taking people from I'm assuming from within this within the studio or people who were just locals like, hey. Like we did this game last year. You want to come back and do another one? Like, yeah, sure. Yeah, cool. I think what I meant, meant by randos was they were like people that literally just did working designs games. Mm, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. Like this is this is very I don't want to say is it incestuous. I don't know if that's the right word for it, but very <laughs> rotating door policy when it came to the voice actors. 
And I think they this is the best on the Sega CD period out of the four games. I think they only did four. Yes. On the Sega yep. CD that they did. This is the best. It's the most appropriate, the most fitting. And I think Lunar 2's voice acting is fantastic. Mm. I think it's better here. A lot better. Now, in terms of the music, I, I like the majority of the music. I think it's really good. But where it really shines is the mind level mm. where I could really tell this was made by by Falcom's JDK team. It sounds something right out of East. It sounds great. It has that high tempo kind of more rock feeling to it. I also really like the ice stage, but Shane is 100 percent correct in that that those themes get really tired really quick because you're spending an hour in each one of these levels and that theme does not change until you get to the next level and it can get really irritating and just a little bit more variety maybe a second theme they could swap it up in each area that would have been greatly appreciated because it just got to the point where like i really like this song but i'm not i'm not enjoying this anymore yeah. can we i hate this <laughs> and you don't want to put on a podcast or something or put uh, something else on in the background and that's because the voice acting is so good and you never know when you're going to encounter voice acting. So you don't want to be like, turn it down, turn it up, turn it down, turn it up. So you're always inclined to keep the volume up because the interactions are just so enjoyable. But you do have to kind of grit through that music unless you're grinding for gold. Overall, like the sound design is, is very good. Uh, the sounds themselves, if I'm not going to complain about it, that they're, they're fine. I'm not going to sit here and say they're they're great or bad. I, I didn't pay that much attention to them, which means, yeah, serviceable. Uh, but overall, I think the, the sound direction in this game is phenomenal. Just a little bit more variety on the music tracks themselves. And it is close to perfect. Mm. Yeah. And I like your take on it, actually, because it made me think about it. And I, I feel like that's the perfect comparison or yeah, perfect comparison to it is like, this is like watching a particularly well done community theater production. That's what it feels like. <laughs> mm. Yes. So apt. All right. So before we wrap this episode up, we don't have any miscellaneous information because I think we covered most of it before you know, heading into what we normally call our miscellaneous section. So we're going to roll right into our Patreon pontifications. And if you want your pontification read, it's an easy three-step process. One, head over to our Patreon for as little as $1 a month. Every patron can participate in this. Two, join our Discord. Anyone can join our Discord, even if you're not a patron. And three, there's a section called Patreon Pontifications, where you can give your thoughts for an upcoming episode. And we have one thought this week. <laughs> Just one for Popful Mail. I'm going to call, I almost want to call bullshit and see if Randall had actually played this game. I hope he did. I, I would I would love to know if he did, because I think he I would love to know that. I want him to play this. But Rowdy Randall says. Puffle Mail's playful protagonist packs a powerful punch, providing players with a perfectly pleasurable and positively captivating gaming experience. Thank you, Randall. I think you just wanted to put alliteration <laughs> in there. But if you did actually play this, I want to know, because this is a game that I did not think it, you would have played. But thank you, Randall. I also think that uh, this is indicative of, I guess, how obscure this game kind of is in that this is the first time since we've been doing the patron pontifications that we have had literally no one else have any input Just on one. it whatsoever. <laughs> Just, Just one. Randall. And if he didn't put it, that would have been a very awkward segment. Yeah. 
They're like, well, nobody thinks anything about this. So there you have it. It's funny, like this obscurity. This is like even like like Falcom games are kind of obscure to begin with. Just I mean, not until recently, they've always been kind of like other than maybe yeast, like most people really didn't know about them. This is like the obscure game for Falcom standards. <laughs> yes. Oh, I fear for our download numbers. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be fine. <laughs> I just got to, you know what I got to do? I, I just need to uh, use the Japanese cover art for our cover art and I'll be, we'll be good to go. I looked <laughs> I'll, that I'll, up after you mentioned it. And you are not joking. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's basically um, just Tat getting an eye full of down blouse. I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah. It's very uh, interesting. Come on, weebs. Come look at some anime porn. That's right. Who ordered all these anime titties? Me. Oh, well, here you go. <laughs> and our listeners. <laughs> so now is the time when we are going to bring this show to a close. And as tradition states, myself and Shane will go first before our guest Bill has the final word on whether or not this game holds up today. I think this might be a sandwich, Shane. I, I, I have a feeling where you're going to go on this. So I'm going to start out with the power of positivity. Mm. A lot of P alliteration today, and I'm going to say, yes, this game holds up today. Giant asterisk humongous, which is go to I'm not going to say the website because I'm not sure of the legalities and, and what, what is frowned upon or not, but go to a website where you can find Sega CD games. And look for something called the unworking designs version and download that and play that version. Do not play the original version, because unless you have a lot of disposable income, I know you sure as shit ain't going to buy this game. <laughs> I know how you play in it, you dirty pirates, because that's how I played it. OK, Yar, go find the one called unworking designs. And it's a fun game. Just play it straight. You are going to have to grind a little bit towards the end, I would imagine, because I played I played the original and I made my way through somehow. Just know this. Buy a lot of fruit. Don't be afraid to use it. Uh, fruit will recover your health and you will have an enjoyable time, especially once you get Gaw. Gaw makes the entire game so much better. And then a little bit after that, the, the gameplay opens up even more. It becomes a very enjoyable experience. So I will say it does hold up today. Do not play the original. <laughs> Download the other version. Again, I know you're not buying it. And play that one. How about you, Shane? So I know that you're expecting me to say that it doesn't hold up today. And I, I am inclined to say exactly that. But the thing is, is like I said earlier, I, I really wanted to like this game and I think it has a lot going for it. It really does. We didn't even talk too much about it, but fully animated like cutscenes are great. It's basically like watching yeah, a, a 90s anime, which is fantastic. The voice work, as we said, is great. The there's there everything about this is really well done. I just, I, like I said, I just, there was something about the gameplay that just didn't really click with me. And I feel like it really should have. And you know what? Maybe it requires, you know, a second take, like maybe I need to give it a, another chance and just force myself to fire it back up and just push through. And maybe I'll find that I actually like it more than I think. But 
there's just all of these like very little minor things that's like I said, tend to add up to, to make it less fun of an experience than I was really wanting it to be. Is it something that, you know, assuming you're going to go and get the correct version of it and play it because don't subject yourself to the actual Sega CD version. Nobody's got time for that, uh, except for, I guess, the people on this show. But <laughs> uh, that's this, this. That's why we're here. But uh, yeah, I mean, I still think it's worth your time. Like if for nothing else to, to at least experience something that, you know, like we said, is actually really not that well known and probably does deserve a little bit more attention. Um, just know going into it that even with the proper difficulty, like there's probably still going to be some things, some design decisions that kind of make you scratch your head a little bit. And there will be some times where it actually feels a little bit like a slog, even though it probably shouldn't, especially for like a six hour game. But I do actually think that there's enough there to be to be worthwhile. So I, I give it I give it a yes with like all of those caveats attached. All right. Thank you, Shane. Bill, do you think this game holds up? Aside from like the obvious like working designs changes and the near impossible nature of finding a copy of this game, I do believe this game has actually held up incredibly well um, over the years, like in terms of gameplay, like graphics, design, like music, all sorts of that stuff. Like it is an absolute joy to play if you can get past some 90s frustrating design choices and some somewhat repetitive uh features in the game but other than that though it's like one it's one of those games that really made me appreciate that the sega cd really was more than just the herder full motion video machine that a lot of people seem to think it is and honestly it's one of those games that like i feel like needs to be more like shown to the world just because it's such an obscure game that literally no one seems to know exists all right thank you bill there you go you got the sandwich of positivity you got a little bit of shit in the middle, but not too bad. Uh, Shane, Shane did do the light recommendation, yes. but hey, Popful Mail gets the gets the thumbs up, the golden recommendation from Retro Hangover, which we normally don't really give anyway. It's just kind of there. But uh, Shane, mm. why why don't you why don't you close this out? Because we don't want to forget that like we did the graphics. <laughs> Uh, yeah, sure. Why not? Also, the <laughs> graphics are pretty good. This game's good to look at. They're there you go. Good. We covered it. They're Boom. Great. Yeah, nice parallax scrolling. Yep. It's also funny because that's actually, I think, the first time in the history of the show where we've literally forgot an entire section. <laughs> so oh, well. I guess there's a first time for everything. But uh, as, as we usually do, first and foremost, we, of course, want to thank our most esteemed guest. So, Bill, thanks for jumping on the show again. It's always a pleasure to have you. Well, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, thanks, Bill. Thanks for stopping by. And uh, I mean, we've already talked about it, and I suspect that there's a uh, quite a bit of in, in the Venn diagram of of podcasts. I think there's a lot of central area there between the two of us. But in case you know, maybe somebody doesn't know, what is it that you do out there on the internet, and uh, how can they find you? I am currently the host of two podcasts. I am the host. My main podcast is the Gaming Collecting Podcast I do with my uh, sister Alex. It's a gaming and anime based nostalgia podcast where we talk about a whole bunch of stuff from our childhood and uh, some modern topics every now and then uh as for my other podcast which just recently restarted i have the uh 3do experience which is a retrospective podcast where me and my uh, co-host thrack talk about um basically the 3do console the games like the company behind it and everything in between 
and that releases weekly as well. Fantastic. And you can find all my links at a uh, link tree slash the barber games. Awesome. And speaking of link trees, uh, all the cool kids uh, have one of those, as I've been told, definitely. And not that it's some weird dated thing for boomers or whatever, but we've got one, too. So, hey, uh, you know how Chris mentioned that thing about the, the Patreon and the pontifications? Well, that, along with our merch store and our socials and our YouTube channel and all that good stuff. And, you know, I guess this show also if you didn't already find it, because you're literally listening to me right now. <laughs> but in case you want a really easy way to get there, that's where you're going to find it. So head on over to Linktree slash Retro Hangover. It's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash Retro Hangover. And you will find all of those fancy buttons for you to tap and or click, depending on, uh, you know, how, how you're how you're pulling that thing up. And there's one other thing there, and it's it's not our main deal, but we've become kind of regulars over there and that that happens to be twitch so so chris what uh when can people oh. find us at the twitch television well you can see us over at twitch.tv slash retro hangover with the beautiful parallax scrolling big chunky characters and beautiful animated cutscenes at twitch.tv slash retro hangover at sundays at 9 p.m eastern time uh, some of these sprites are just big and beautiful that you can't find anywhere else on the Sega Genesis with fluid animation. And those are great people. there talking about that over there at twitch.tv slash retro hangover Sunday at 9 p.m. Eastern time. It's a gorgeous looking time over there, Shane. So back to you. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. That's tremendous. <laughs> all right, well, I suppose with with all of that being said, until next time. Play with your it makes French people look normal. Ga joysticks. Shane here with a quick message. You know, the one rule Chris and I have always gone by regarding advertisements is this. It has to be something we use and can personally vouch for. If you know me, you know I love coffee. And Bones Coffee Company has been my go-to for home brewing for quite some time now. Their small batch beans come in an impressive variety of flavors like Mint Invaders from Chocolate Space or Electric Unicorn, which I swear tastes exactly like Fruity Pebbles. And the best part? No added sugar or calories involved, just natural flavors infused right into the beans themselves. Build your own sample pack of five four ounce bags to find out which flavors speak to you, or jump in head first with full 12 ounce bags. They've even got K-Cups. Step up your homebrew game with Bones Coffee by visiting bit.ly slash rhpbones. That's bit.ly slash rhpbones.